I like all the sounds that praise the Lord. I like the sounds of people that praise the Lord. God likes it so well it demands his exit in heaven. He said he would inhabit the praise of his people. It commands the presence of the Lord. When you are praising him from your hearts, you are demanding the presence of God in your life. Amen. I've said this, you can praise yourself out of more problems. Amen. Than complaining can ever get you out of. Just praising him, worshiping him, magnifying him, loving him. Bible said we lift up our hands as an evening sacrifice. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. It replaces the blood of bullocks. Amen. And the Bible said we lift up our hearts with our hands. When you're praising the Lord, you can't, you can't receive anything but blessing from God. You may be seated. Lord bless you. It is good to be again in the house of the Lord. We have had uh, two great nights. And here the third night of service celebrating 26 years, anniversary time again. And all the great things that God does for all of us. He's a good God. He is our Savior. He is so real and so kind. And um, I'm looking forward to tomorrow. My wife's going to be here. Amen. I'm a big baby. I met my wife when she was 13 years old, and I was 17 and uh, I, because of childhood sickness, missed two years of school. She began school a year early, and so we was a year apart in school when we met. And uh, after we both graduated from high school, then we married. That's been 22, a little over years ago. And uh, amen. And uh, I always feel about half. Some folks think I'm about half all the time anyway, but I feel about half when she's not here. And uh, this church is my children's favorite church. They talk about the church here in Baton Rouge so much. We adopted two little girls, as you know, and they were babies, six months and 18 months old. And uh, they're nine and 10 now. Time passes so quickly. My wife and I were married 13 years with no children. No hope of having any children, so we adopted, very happily adopted, two beautiful little blonde-headed girls. And then, um, as you also know, six days before our 20th wedding anniversary, my wife gave birth to twin girls. It looks like Petticoat Junction at our house. I told him I'm, I'm so sick and tired of hair, hair, hair. I put on my shoes and socks the other day and something kept bothering my foot and I pulled my shoe off and turned my sock wrong side out and there was a blonde hair this long wrapped around my toes. Amen. But my family loves this church. They love Brother and Sister Spell and family. We love this place. This is a great, great, great church. And uh, y'all are spoiled. You're rotten, that's what you are, you're spoiled. God's so good to you people. You have the best talent, musicians, singers. You have the greatest pastor I know of in the world. Amen. You're blessed. 
just so glad. And he spends energy night and day. Brother Fell is a human dynamo of energy. And he spends that energy night and day to make a great church for you and turns into not only his resources but his physical body. Spends it and spends it and spends it for this church. You're a very fortunate group of people. I preach in a lot of churches around the country and I don't know of anywhere that anyone has a pastor with such desire and zeal for his church as what this pastor does for this great church here in Baton Rouge. You're blessed. I can't say that with enough emphasis. You are a very, very blessed people. Amen. Isn't it good to be in church tonight? Glory to God. I feel, I feel bettered in my life by just being here uh, in this congregation. I have a verse of Scripture, a few verses of Scripture that I'd like to share with you tonight. A book we don't preach from very often found in the book of Amos, the book of Amos, the third chapter, if you'd like to stand with me, the book of Amos, hallelujah. Life is a wonderful thing if you spend it for Jesus, hallelujah, it's a wonderful thing. Third chapter, if you would turn with me, is the book of Amos. I'll wait a little bit. That's one we don't turn to very often. The ninth verse. Published in the palaces of Ashdod and in the palaces of the land of Egypt. And though not to do right, saith the Lord, who store up violence and robbery in their palaces. Therefore, thus saith the Lord God. An adversary there shall be even round about the land. And he shall bring down thy strength from thee, and thy palaces shall be spoiled. Thus saith the Lord, as the shepherd taketh out of the mouth of the lion two legs, or a piece of an ear, so shall the children of Israel be taken out of the land in like the winter house with the summer house, and the houses of ivory shall perish, and the great houses shall have an end, saith the Lord. You may be seated. God has always been unique in the way that he chose people to tell his message. Preachers are a different lot. Times that God would choose a man from the city and the next time he'd choose a man from the country. But God would choose according for his minister, according to the occasion. I told a friend of mine, he was a meat cutter before he finally surrendered to the full-time labor of the Lord. And uh, I told him, I said, uh, you are a meat cutter prior to going into ministry. And I said, that's the reason when you preach, you cut everybody up the way you do. I have another friend of mine that's a carpenter, and we was talking all at the same time on this occasion. I said, you were a carpenter. And I said, every time you preach, you're hammering, folks. And I said, I was an electronic technician, and when I preach, I give them a shocker every time. 
But God's ministers are a peculiar lot. There are a lot of times that their labors is not always appreciated. But regardless of whether it's appreciated or not, it's a job that has to be done. And it will be done. It will be done. And on this particular occasion, the Lord chose a man that was a shepherd to prophesy. Amos, the man that knew the laws of God and he knew the laws of nature. He understood the field. He understood the countryside. And if anybody understood the sheepfold, he understood it. Quite a man, Amos. A man that prophesied the most interesting things. And I have chose tonight to read from one of his prophecies. God was very upset, the imbalance, the unrighteous, unequal judgment of the day. He had looked about and saw that men would not do right and desired not to do right. And he told them, because of your wickedness, I'll store up violence against you, and robbery shall be in your palaces. God prophesied to them a destruction. He prophesied to them how that he would bring them to naught because of their disconcern about righteousness in the Lord. I want to tonight just to take a little bit of time, a little bit of time of your time, and talk about a strange saying that's in this prophecy. I've read it many times. I've processed it through my mind, and I always come up with a little question about this prophecy. First off, let me say again that we're looking at it through the eyes of a shepherd. We're not looking through the eyes of anyone that would be of non, let's say, understanding of God's viewpoint. But it's a shepherd that's doing the talking. I read somewhat of the book, A Shepherd's Look at the 23rd Psalm some years ago when it first came in print. And trying my very best to be a shepherd, a pastor, as the word pastor means shepherd, I was so caught up with some of the little, little sayings and themes of the shepherd's look of the 23rd Psalm. You that read it probably remember the story of Miss Gadabout. You probably remember reading the illustration about the, the uh, sheep that was always straying away from the flock and taking a journey somewhere else. But it seemed as if this particular lamb, this particular sheep, was an exceptionally good mother in the sense of being able to birth new lambs, bring them into the flock because of the quality, because of the quantity that she could bring forth. The shepherd was constantly in toleration of her gadding from one place to the next, always gadding about I remember reading that somewhat, if some seems like, if I've not got two illustrations together, that he said that because of her gadding, she was always leading other sheep away from this place and that place into dangerous areas. And uh, in the illustration, if I recall properly, he decided that it was either he had to destroy her or do something with her. And uh, he used an illustration of how that it came to the point that the best thing to do was just break her leg. And with a broken leg, splinted leg, she had to pretty well stay close to her shepherd. 
And when they moved from pasture to pasture, he would carry her and lead her. And this, after a period of time, uh, built an acquaintance and a friendship between the shepherd and the sheep. I've seen times it looked like you just about needed to break a few legs, spiritually speaking, uh, to settle folk down and to draw them close to a church and to a pastorate. I've also been very much aware that we live in a day today that there's a lot of allurements outside of the sheepfold. A lot of allurements. There's more neon lights. There's more, there's more temptation. There's more somehow temptation in the sense of pulling them away from God than there's ever been. We are educated sheep today. We are so much wiser than the shepherd. We have got now the ability to judge whether or not he's right and whether his years of experiences are really, really needful for us to listen to. Here this this shepherd begins to prophesy, and as he's prophesying, he's telling us something about sheep. He said, for the Lord has looked about it and saw it and said, I'm going to bring this desolation of the land because of disobedience, sheep, because of disobedience to the word of God. You'll bear with me and let me lay a little foundation here tonight. I want to talk something I feel like God's put in my heart to talk about. You may be here in this service. My words may not penetrate you while I'm talking But I feel like by the time that I'm finished preaching, uh, I'm going to serve you something that will save you uh, uh, in the end. Uh, This this, this shepherd, this crying shepherd, this this pleading shepherd uh, is trying to draw some attention uh, uh, to a certain type of thing that is done in sheepfolds. Uh, Solomon was asked one time, uh, while all the sheep were being brought to market, he He was asked a question. I have read in history that the Queen of Sheba asked him this question. How do you know, Solomon, what sheep belong to what shepherd? Solomon said, it's easy. All I have to do is gather together the shepherds and have each one of them individually call out to their sheep. And their sheep will perk up ear and turn and look toward their shepherd. Jesus said, My sheep know my voice, and they will hearken not unto another. I feel like that it is a very important message to preach, that if you do not know the sound of your shepherd's voice, you are already on the broad road of destruction. Amen. It is a it is a very valuable thing for you to know your pastor, to know his ministry, to know his attitudes about certain things, for you to, for you to begin to pitch your ears in other directions is dangerous. I want to talk about those dangers. I want to talk about the trick of the enemy today that is doing his very best to make you lose the sound of the voice of your shepherd. A shepherd has a great responsibility. He has a great liableness to you. He owes you a lot. He has a lot invested in you. For you see, he is an under-shepherd. He is serving the real shepherd of our souls. 
And as, as a labor in the gospel of Christ, uh, every pastor has a responsibility to a sheepfold. Uh, he has a responsibility to God concerning that sheepfold. Uh, we're not lords over God's heritage, uh, but we are shepherds to God in your lives. Uh, amen. Somehow I need to get a little more attention out of you tonight. Uh, and it's said here, it's said here, that this man uh, prophesied, that saith the Lord, as the shepherd taketh out of the mouth of the lion two legs, or a piece of ear, so shall the children of Israel be taken out, that dwell in Samaria in a corner of a bed, or in Damascus in a couch. He said as a warning to them in this prophecy that there would be a terrible, terrible plight come upon them. And he said, as a shepherd taken out of the mouth of the lion. Now, wasn't it Peter that said to us in 1 Peter 5 and 8 uh, that we should beware that the devil as a roaring lion uh, is seeking to devour, uh, he's seeking to, to destroy uh, the sheep of God. And wasn't it Jesus that said to Herod, your thoughts, your thoughts, how oft times would I have gathered you Jerusalem, amen, as a hen would gather her chicks. But there is a praying fox that would devour the brood of God. There is so many warnings in this Bible. And as a shepherd, as a shepherd, we build stone walls and we build fences and corrals around our people. And there is an attitude today in people's lives. I don't want to be corralled. I don't want to be harnessed. I don't want to be under the obligation of belonging or membership or being a part to such obligation that I'm liable for it. But the Bible talks about the church being a sheepfold. The Bible talks about the shepherd as being one that has oversight, oversight of that sheepfold. This, if this is a stinging message, it's got an ointment in it in the end. So bear with me. But we fight, we fight in the ministry today. Charlatans, lions, we fight foxy spirits that are praying outside the walls of the church. They're there with all the ointments of allurement to pull at the hearts of God's people. Why is it that a preacher gets red-faced, cracked voice, and screams and rants and raves and sweats and pulls at people's lives? Why is it sometimes he gets almost as if it were incoherent in his preaching to try to shake you? Why is it that we point fingers and call people as they really are? Hypocrites and liars and devices, devices, enemies of God. Why is it sometimes we do this? Why is it it looks as if we're rolling up our sleeves in anger? It's because we're looking across the hillsides at an uncircumcised, ungodly 
careless, reckless spirit of Philistinia that is saying, I defy the armies of God. I thank God there's still Davids. I thank God there's still Samson's. I thank God there's still Paul's and Peter's. I thank God there's still B.A. spells that'll stand in pulpits and warn us how the enemies that lay it pray for us. Brother Marar in a conference a few years ago in Indiana, missionary to India, told an ancient Indian story. He said there were oxen in a field, and as the oxen were there standing together, the four of them, they knew that there was a lion lurking somewhere in the darkness of the jungle. And so they made a league with one another that they would stand hindquarter to hindquarter and face in every direction. That way, eight sets of eyes would be looking in different directions, watching for the enemy that stalked them. As they agreed, in fact, to do so, one day the lion comes pacing gently and quietly out of the jungle. And as the lion so harmlessly strolled up to one of the oxen standing with the rest, he whispered in the oxen's ear, and away he traveled into the jungle. The oxen, after a little while standing there, begin to look around curiously at the other three. And after a while, he strayed away himself to the jungle, never to be seen again. A few days passed, and as three oxen stood together, the same incident reoccurred. The lion walking up to one of the three, whispering in his ear, and walking away. And that oxen strayed himself into the jungles, never to be seen. One by one, the oxen went through this uh, until there was only one oxen left. Uh, and the lion come out of the jungle roaring and clawing at the air, pouncing upon this oxen and devouring him. And as he laughed and as he jeered, uh, he jokingly said, I whispered to each oxen, Pay no attention to the others. They will not stand with you when the chips are down. They'll run and flee when I pounce upon you. So flee and hide from them. They're not your friends. And there is in the world today a spirit that mingles among us that the Apostle Paul forewarned and said, There are false brethren that have crept in unaware. They have come in to spoil our liberties. They have come in to find out the makeup of the church. They have come out to dissimulate us. And there in a ravaged, torn place, we are open prey for anything. But thank God for a shepherd. Thank God for an alert man that stands to our protection. Thank God for the far brand preached word that comes to us. Thank God for the offense of the gospel. Thank God for the sound of the voice that gives us warning. There is enemies that pray. There is enemies about us. They are like Syria camped on every side. They're like the prey of Haman of old that waits for a chance to put the seal of death on our lives. Amen. Amen talking tonight about shepherds. I didn't come tonight to preach a message to promote any individual. 
I come to warn you of the dangers that lurk about you. Amen. A shepherd has a lot of liberty with his sheep, but when they're given to him, they're his investment. He's got a responsibility to them. The Bible said to obey them that have rule over you, for they must give account. Amen. Concerning your souls. That's a big responsibility, my friend. That's a big responsibility. And a shepherd had a right to go among his sheep. I'm going to say some things that I've read and I've studied and I know for a fact. But as a man with cattle will brand them, as a man will put his seal upon his animals, so a shepherd has a right to brand his sheep. You can go to conferences. I've done it. You'll see folks up shouting. You can watch them. you say, well, they're from so-and-so's church. They carry the spirit of that church. They carry the nature of that pester. Someone came to me the other day, and I have a young man in my church that's just growing by leaps and bounds in God, he and his wife and children. Someone came to me the other day and said, he acts just like you. He shouts like you. He talks like you. I said, well, thank God I finally got a real sheep around here, one that's got my brand on it. And I thought as I read what this prophet said, he said, out of the mouth of the lion, amen, two legs and a piece of ear. I want to talk to you just a little bit tonight about a subject like this, not enough to make a saint, not enough to make a saint. You see, this, this, this sheep that's going to stray, this illustration the prophet is using, he is talking about a sheep that has strayed out and a lion has taken it and devoured it. For you see, the shepherd would nick the ear or he would put a mark on the inside of the leg of that sheep so that in case it was killed out in the field, that he would go and find it and there would be his mark upon it. And I thought about the pitiful sight and plight that God is talking about. Here is a sheep that continually listened to the voice of a devil, of a lion that kept enticing it, alluring it, come on out, step away from your church. Hey, let me tell you something, friend. There was a day that the enemy worked on someone out here in the straggling edges of the church. Moses, through God, warned Israel and Joshua and said, Forget not Amalek. How that Amalek came up from the hind quarters of the church and destroyed the age and the young and the weak and the feeble. It's not that way today. He's going after the choir director, the Sunday school superintendent, the associate ministers. He's going after the, uh, the choir singers and the musicians of the church. No. Nobody's exempt today. There's a pulling spirit. There's a fighting spirit. And do you know what it is, friend? If I can wake you up, it is the same demonic force that worked many years ago to destroy a church. Hear me, friend. Hear me tonight. There's an enemy trying to pull you away from a church and devour your life. We can get so far away from the church, we forget the sound of the preacher. 
Oh, the pastor's just on one of his rampages. He's just off on one of his kicks. Listen, the business of a preacher, the business of the church is not a social institution. It's not a playground, but it's a soul-saving place. I looked at this fine young woman last night praying to God. I went home rejoicing in my soul. One more soul fetched out of the mouth of the lion. One more soul calling out, Jesus, save me. One more happy heart tonight because Christ entered their heart. Christ rescued another sheep from out of the fangs of death. God stopped all the heavens, sister. Amen. The angels leaned over the balcony of eternity and began to sing the song of the redeemed. Amen. Begin to sing the song of the blood of the Lamb. One more child coming home. One more sheep back in the sheepfold. One more person on the altars of repentance finding God. Amen. You think if you have the ideal that all there is to this preaching business is just a play game, all it is is just preaching and getting hot and sweaty, you're wrong. We're in surgery. We're trying to save a life that's perishing. We're running an ambulance through the streets of Baton Rouge, picking up the wounded souls of men and women. This business is a serious business. And about the time that we get a hold of one, giving them the very life strand of hope, giving them the word of truth, preached unadulterated and pure. About the time that we get a hold, there's a praying lion stalking somewhere where you're ready to pounce on you, ready to destroy, ready to take life out of you. I sat on this platform tonight and I said, God, I want you to touch me because I'm going to reach to somebody tonight. There's a soul in this building. You don't know how far you've been pulled away, but you're right this very moment. You're not in the open field where you can see. You're not standing on a rocky cliff where your vision is far, but you're fixing to fall in the dark dungeons, dungeons of destruction. Jungles of hopelessness. And before you go there, and this good pastor has to come searching, and all he can find is a piece of air. All he can find is two legs. That's not enough to make a sheep. That's not enough to make a church. That's not enough for you to be saved by. You don't see them, but that shepherd has gnash marks on his chest. Muscles have been pulled in his legs. His arms show the bloody fight of fighting that lion to pluck out one more lamb. How many times has that shepherd, amen, left the ninety and nine, going out looking into the fields of death, and there heard the moaning, amen, of a wounded sheep. How many, how many lions have pulled at good godly saints? How many have said, come on out of that church, it's too strict. I pray, tell me how, that any church could be too strict. Tell me, if you will, if the wages of sin is 
death and after death the judgment and after the judgment it's heaven or hell tell me I pray tonight how can a preacher preach truth too strong how can a preacher preach separation too strong how can sanctification be preached too plain I beg you tonight amen have some kind of compassion that man is waded through deep waters that preacher has fought devils he's fought lions for you he's labored in sweat he's labored in blood to give you a church and a sheepfold and a place of safety amen and he's reached out and he's pulled you out of the lion's mouth how many times come on sister how many times brother has he saved your children let me tell you the expense I'm not talking about dollars and cents in Washington's but all the expenditures amen of years that a choir can sing like this the years of investment that puts pews in a building so lovely as this don't tell me that's not been sleepless nights don't tell me that ever soul on this building just straight off a plank road into this place no there's been a shepherd that's gone into the wood and fought a lion that's fought a bear that struggled and wrestled and prayed and fasted and preached to make it possible to make it possible amen Amen. There needs to be some Marys that can take their hair down and be willing to wipe the feet. Amen of hope. There needs to be some men. Amen. That'll walk night and day with palm leaves of appreciation of praise for what God has done in their lives. Where is the church tonight that I'm preaching to? Where is the congregation that can stand up and say, I love my master. I love my wife. Pour a hole through my ear and make me a love servant to the church of the almighty God. Where are the people that will rally to the cause, vanguards of faith, and say, I love the church i love the ministry i love the hope i have in serving him hallelujah i'm gonna tell you right now i'm gonna tell it and tell it plain now i'm not speaking about the condoms amen of life tabernacle let me speak clearly from the lands that i pastor in a man who has no more principle than a set of church right next door to the very fountain of hope in this community. Amen. And draw and pull and gnash at it. It's not only a charlatan and a harlot. Amen. A whoredom spirit that reigns. But it's a lion of devilish prey. I said it's a lion of devilish prey. I'm not preaching for money tonight. I'm not preaching for your praise tonight. You're in this congregation. And there's a hell drawing at you. There's a devil pulling at you. There's a lion devouring you. Amen. How many of y'all ever had a pet cat? Old Tom, Betsy, 
thought. Amen. Maybe he lived around the farm and there was mice about. And that cat praying and stalking and waiting. You hearing me? I could reach out and touch you tonight. I could just about call your name tonight. That cat will stalk and wait and look. Scheme. He's laid. He's laid this praying trap for days. Oh, Job, the Bible said, was a righteous man. Feared God and eschewed evil. Amen. The Bible said, and the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord. And Satan had the audacity and the brazenness to present himself also. The devil don't care if he tramps his dirty feet right down through heaven, strolling to and fro through the muck and mar of sin. Walked right into heaven's portables, portals and said, Here I am too. And God said to him, Have you considered my servant Job? He didn't answer God. He didn't tell him he considered him. He said, Does he serve for not. I know he's got 7,000 camels. I know how many she-asses he's got. I know how many sheep he's got. I've walked the perimeters of his land. I've strolled about him. Let me tell you something, dear heart. The devil's cased your place out. He's walked around the hedges of your place. He knows you. He knows your weaknesses. He knows your clockwork. He knows every step you make. And he's waiting for a chance. He's got just the time when you're discouraged. He's got just the time when you're vulnerable. He knows right when you're the weakest. And he's going to jump on your life and pounce you to the ground and shake you and drag you off to his place of death. Amen. Amen. Right now I could stand almost as a fine, tingling prophet, call you out and point you out and tell you your problems. But let's let the Word of God do the job for us tonight. Amen. That cat will get that lion. That cat will get that mouse. And he'll take that mouse out away from everything else. Not around anything that's going to deliver that mouse from his mouth. He doesn't break its neck and then devour it. He tantalizes. He plays. He bats it about. Oh, yes, just a little bit of time. It wouldn't hurt to go to a movie once in a while. It wouldn't hurt to go to a dance once in a while. A little makeup won't make any difference. A little trimming of the hair. A little mustache won't hurt any. A ring on your finger after all. Well, let the men know you're married. Just a little bit of playing about. After all, I'm still alive. After all, I might be able to escape. After all, he has killed me yet. You hear me? He's just playing with you. Pulling at you. Oh God. And here comes a shepherd. Here comes a pastor preaching the message. Roaring back at the lion. Let my sheep go. Let my lambs go. Let them go. I've escaped before. I've escaped before. I've been this close before. 
Amen. And every sin you commit, amen, is tearing off a piece of hide. Every time that you give to his, to his enticing ways, there goes another piece of your body. There goes another piece of your heart. The old saying is, I give that man a piece of my mind. And somebody responded and said, you're going to give enough away that you won't have any mind. Let me tell you, friend, you can play, you can dilly-dally about with the devil. You can play outside the skirts of the sheepfold until there's just not enough left of you to make a saint. There's not not enough to make it worthwhile for a preacher to go fetch you out. You'll play around amen to the world until there's just not nothing left except maybe a piece of ear, maybe two legs, just some identity that said one time he lived for God. One time he sang in the choir. One time. One time. I watched I watched the only, the only one of my family living for God, little baby brother. I called him baby brother. He's four years younger, three years younger than me. And he was always baby brother. And I watched him as he lived for God and play the piano, play a guitar, play a harmonica, play accordion, sing songs, gifted talent. I never had any talent. I still don't. Hey, man, I wonder sometimes why God even called me. I'm so untalented. But I thought as I watched Billy, my own blood brother, I, I don't know if I've ever even said this out preaching like this. But I watched him day by day and month by month. He had a photographic mind. We was preaching a revival together. In seven days, he read the New Testament through. On the way, traveling hundreds of miles back home, I'd drop my Bible, open in the car seat, and I'd ask him a question. And he'd quote the verses of it. Just nearly memorized it in one week. God could have used him so greatly. But he got it in his mind. I'm strong. I can do the things I want to do. Or I can smoke. Once in a while, I remember he stood up one night and testified. I bought a pack of cigarettes today. I smoked two cigarettes and threw it away just to let the devil know I had power over it. All the time, he didn't realize that it was just one piece at a time. One little piece at a time. He was being pulled apart, taken apart, destroyed. Thank God you hear me tonight. Amen. That lion's got you right now under his paw. He's letting you play. He's letting you think it's all all right. He'll let you go and let you run and feel the spirit. You'll feel liberty. You can breathe now, but he's right there to slap you down again and again because you're too far away from the shepherd. Amen. I've watched sheep get far enough away they build up fences and walls between them and the shepherd. And should he leave the 99 and run for them, that's not enough time. That's just not enough time. There's people in this Bible like Cain. That was the very forthright, birthright, and hope right. Amen of his daddy. He was his father's son. Amen to be the leader. Amen of his people. But Cain could not, somehow could not. Amen follow under the plan of God. He wanted to be his own man. Esau wanted to play the field. Could I give you a list of them. They go like Achan. They go like Judas and Gehazi. They go on and on like Abner that played the part of a fool. They go on and on and on. They thought they could do it and get by. But you're going to get outside too far. And when you go to find a way back, there's not going to be a way back. It's just going to be pieces. 
your life. Amen. Amen. Just pieces. Not enough to make a saint. I've seen it so many times in churches. Gifted, talented people. People that's got all of these things at their fingertips shoved into the background because they sold themselves away. Oh God, I'm having an axe to grind tonight. I'm having a case to settle in this church. I'm going to come back and preach and you all still love me. But I've got a burden in my heart and I want to preach it to you. The Bible said a marriage supper was set and the servants went out and bid them to come in and they killed them and destroyed them and he sent more, more servants and finally the master said go out of the highways and byways and bid them clean and unclean good bad invite everybody in and they came in and sat down at the table to eat the supper and the bible said the master came in and he looked astonished and as he looked he said i saw some there that had not on a wedding garment and he said to the servants, he said to the pastors, you know why I'm preaching like I'm preaching? I don't want the job that is laid before me if I don't. He said to the servants that had invited them in, you bind them hand and foot. You cast them out into outer darkness. There'll come a day this good man of God will have to walk up to you, dear heart, in eternity at the judgment. And because you played the game, because you thought you could get by, because you thought you could listen to the voices outside the sheepfold, he's going to have the terrible job. Amen. With tears on his cheek, of tying your hands, tying your feet, and casting you in the outer darkness that's not a good job no preacher is going to look forward to that day bits and pieces and fragments and all it'll ever amount to hey man is that lion has got you <laughs> oh but you don't know how much I've heard this thing till I'm nearly sick in my stomach you don't know the peace and liberty we have now not been under the bondage of all of that law. Oh, God, oh, God, help us. Help us, help us, help us. Let me tell you what the Bible said. When God took Israel out of Egypt, the Bible said they was harnessed together. They was under the bondage of the harnessing of the Spirit of God. The Apostle Paul said, I am pressed into the Spirit. If you don't want any obligation, you don't want any cross. If you don't want any cross, Jesus said you're going to have no part of me. No part of me. No part. And I see this and I, I reek in pain as that lion takes that, that sheep, as that cat takes that mouse, it likes to break it in the back. So all it can do is drag its hindquarters and try to escape. Its nose seeping blood, but its squeals and cries cannot be heard. And it crawls. And a lion will a lion will start at the haunches and eat up through the back, leaving the hindquarter legs to lay aside. 
and he'll eat from the hunches forward so that that meat will stay alive and warm while he's eating it. Oh, God, can you hear me? The pain to the creature, the pain to the sheep. Now look at some of you tonight sitting under my message, and I see the pangs of your heart. I see the wounds of your soul. I'm not here to make your crippling, hurting pain any worse. I'm here to tell you, cry out the louder, Savior, save me. Be like the submerging apostle. Amen. On the seas of sinking time. And cry Lord, save me. Pastor, forgive me. Church, help me to find my way back again. Amen. 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 I got a heavy spirit tonight. Amen. Oh, that shepherd's going to have to show God. God, this is all I've got left. I found it out there in the woods. It's just a piece of ear. That's all I've got. Just wanted you to know, God, I was concerned enough to go fetch what was left. Your cryings might be too late. Your weepings may be too late. You're going to be like Joab. You're going to rebel. You're going to kick against the bricks. But someday the horns of the altar, the prophet said, shall be cut off. And as Joab held on and cried, please forgive me, God. Oh, please forgive me, God. And while he was crying and holding and crying, Ben and I thrust him through and killed him on the altar. Because there wasn't enough left to even make a sin. There wasn't enough left of his life. How many times can you sin? Jesus said you can forgive seven times, seventy. But how many times can you sin? How many times can you lose faith and still be enough left of you for God to save and do anything with? I know I'm playing on the perimeters of your soul, but I'm trying to make you wake up and get something inside that says, let me fight, let me pray, let me follow a preacher, let me stay in the sheepfold, let me get a hold of myself while I can, while I can, while I can. Amen. For there's enough. For there's enough to make a saint. For there's enough. Remember what Jesus said. Does the whole need a physician? No. No. Times he said, arise and be ever with whole. God don't want a piece of saint any more than you want a piece of romance, a piece of marriage. You want a whole marriage. A one-sided relationship is no relationship. A one-sided Christian walk is no relationship. Are you listening to me? He wants a wholeness. The Bible said your whole mind, your whole soul, your whole spirit, the whole need not a physician. When you're complete, you don't need help. But it's when you're wounded and gnashed upon, you need help. And as you stand, as you sit in this congregation tonight, incomplete and pulled and torn, God help me tonight to reach this precious heart. Amen. I wonder how many times we think we can just cast it aside. 
How many times do we think that we can just tread on the mercies of God? God said, Cain, if everything is not right, sin lieth at your door. Amen. In its original Hebrew text, it said this, If there is things wrong, Cain, there is a sacrifice at your door. There is a sin forgiveness at your door. All you've got to do is get up and say, I'm sorry. Sorry, sinner friend, listen to me. If you don't know Jesus Christ, amen, you can have the joy of God in your life. You can escape the horrible, painful death of sin by standing on your feet and say, I want to be made whole. I want to be delivered. Backslider, why don't you say it? Humble yourself. I'm wrong. I've sinned. I've offended God. And I need to come home. Pride's going to take more people to hell than anything else in this world. Self-arrogant, reserved, I can't say I'm wrong attitudes. No wonder the Bible said in Ephesians 6, put on the whole armor of God that you might withstand the darts and the powers and the forces of your enemy. Wholeness, wholeness, Ephesians 4 and 16 said, it is the whole body fitly joined together. It means getting in the church, being baptized into the church. It means being filled with the spirit of the church of the living God. Amen. I remember as a young man coming to God, I was only 18 years old. And I remember coming to God with heart disease, afflicted childhood afflictions from the time I was small. And I remember the many, many months and years of hospital beds and sicknesses and frailness that I went through. I remember coming to God that night in a little Pentecostal church, sick and miserable, started smoking cigarettes and that was destroying my heart tissues going out to dance halls and lay in the night and the doctor told my mother told me to my face at 16 years old if you can live to be 21 years old if you can live to be 21 you might live to be an old man but he said at the rate you're going in the downgrade of your health you'll never be 21 years old and when I came to Jesus Christ mauled by the world mauled by sin father a drunkard and a broken home divorced and shattered uh, troubled life uh, sick puny uh, I'm trying to tell you something uh, I'm not grabbing for sympathy I want you to know that when I came to that church uh, and they preached to me that Jesus loved me that sin was going to destroy me uh, that the world was pulling at my heart uh, I ran to that altar I knelt on my knees I was baptized in Jesus name for the remission of my sins I received the Holy Ghost speaking in tongues as the Spirit gave utterance and wholeness come in wholeness come in hallelujah I never will forget that night I was standing in the pulpit and they'd asked me to lead a testimony service and I was standing there the Spirit of Jesus was in my heart and I began to jump up and down and praise him Hallelujah. And the doctors had told my mother, said, don't let him do anything that makes him too excited. It could cause him to have heart failure and die. And I was jumping up and down, and all of a sudden pain began to go through my chest. I got dizzy, and I grabbed the corners of the Bible stand, and I stood there fainting. And a little bit, I kind of got my composure, and I stood up, and I raised my hands, 
place and I begin to worship God and I begin to dance and praise the Lord and love Him and that pain in my chest turned to a burning fire. It felt like my whole body was on fire and all of a sudden the pain dissipated and a joy took over. I went to Dr. Miller and I got a physical. He said, I don't understand it. From the time you was eight years old, I've doctored you. Dying with heart disease. Your heart is perfect. Your body has been changed. Something came in. I'm here to tell you that God is in this service to give you wholeness, completeness, to fetch you out of the mouth of the lion, to fetch you out, to fetch you out. <laughs> Amen. I know I look every day and every year of it, but I thank God for 44 and a half years. Amen. Way beyond 22 years. You know why? Jesus Christ gave me wholeness. Hallelujah. And when you stay in the church and live in the church and enjoy the Spirit of God, He'll make you whole. You won't be a stagnated, bisected, destroyed, distraught individual. <laughs> but you'll be happy peace and joy peace and joy peace and happiness hallelujah what'd you do with the cigarettes i threw them away i had jesus what'd you do with the dance halls and the night spots and the square dance places they all disappeared because i found jesus christ joy unspeakable and full of glory hallelujah hallelujah Glory. I'm still jumping. I'm still shouting. I'm still praising God because what He gave my life. Amen. That prophet gave warning to you, friend. He gave warning and said to you, don't let the adversary destroy your life. Jesus came into the world not to condemn the world, but the world through Him might what? Amen. Be saved. Saved. You can ask folks today, are you saved? Folks don't even know what the word saved means anymore. They don't. Let me tell you what it means, friend. It means redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. It means laying off the old world and taking on the hope of the new world. It means that this precious woman has here tonight a glow on your face, a peace that comes inside. Let me say something to you, sister. There's more yet to come. Hallelujah. There's more yet to come. 25 years, I can tell you, there's still more yet in the joy of God. There's folks, there's folks no doubt under the sound of my voice that you're missing out on some of the most joyous, happy times of the church simply because you took a period of time to step away from it. Now you sit on the pew knowing everybody's looking at me. Everybody knows my failure. I haven't got you in mind. I'm just preaching what happens in every church. Now there you are, set aside, condemned, no place, haunted by your own miseries. No wonder David said it's good for me that I bear the sins of my youth. No wonder he moaned and grown in his failures but if you can be man enough woman enough young person enough to take your punishment and say thank god at least i'm in the sheepfold thank god at least i'm in the church i'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of god <laughs> just let me be a bench warmer let me be in the church someplace just let me be here alive and full of god amen amen Hold. Oh complete in him that's the reason he fills you with the holy ghost so that every fiber of you can have the spirit of jesus christ as we stand together tonight in closing 
Paul said to the Thessalonican church, in the fifth chapter and the 23rd verse, that the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. I pray, God, that your whole spirit, soul, body be preserved blameless into the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Holy. Isn't there a tear? Isn't there a spirit of remorse? Didn't the prodigal son say, I have sinned against my father's house? Isn't there a feeling inside that says to anybody here tonight, I've wronged God? Can we say that I have failed and I have stumbled? But aren't you thankful tonight that there's 